So welcome to Impact Rock Church. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Mark. Uh, my wife, Kara, uh, is normally here, but um, she went camping and mountain climbing with her brother, Colin. Um, actually, uh, we have a picture here. They um, reached the summit of La Plata Peak yesterday, which is uh, 14,344 feet, uh, while most of us were somewhere here in like the 5,000 range. Um, but they're just having an awesome time together. Her, her brother's a madman. I mean, this is like an outdoor, like, loving guy. Um, and so I don't know where they are now. They, they peaked yesterday. They came down off the summit. They were going to either tear up base camp and go somewhere else and hike, or they were going to stay there and hike all around. So um, I'll see her tomorrow. I'll, I'll find out where she is. But she sends her love and said to tell all y'all that she says hi. Um, we are in week three of a four-week series called Coming to Community. And each one of these messages is building upon the previous messages. And if you call Impact Rock Church your home, I encourage you, if you've missed one of the messages, one of the previous two, um, please go, go to our uh, Facebook page or our website, which will link you to our Facebook page, and you can catch one of those messages. But we are talking about the importance of this partnership that we have as the local church. And, and we're setting a firm baseline of who we are as a church, not just like who we are, but who we are as a church, what we value, what our vision is, and what we're built upon. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be a biblical church. And as I was working on this message, I was thinking... Some of these messages, some of y'all might be like, well, yeah, like, no kidding, Mark, like, no duh, like, yeah, we get it. Um, but we have to talk about these things because everyone's church context could be different. Like, we were all raised in different churches that did uh, church leadership a different way, that did um, church and life a different way. So uh, let's take a second and, and pray, just invite the Lord into this. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here together, and we don't take it lightly, Lord. We consider it a joy. And Lord, we are here for you. Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would just lead us and guide us, that you would open our eyes to bring revelation to, to the things that you want to grab us with and to strengthen us with. So we yield to you, and we say, have your way. Uh, Lord, and I ask that uh, it wouldn't be my words that are remembered, but Lord, what you unpack in our hearts, what you speak, Lord, let that be what, what sticks. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, we want the, the banner of Jesus Christ to be waved passionately and boldly and proudly in our community. Um, we want our friends and our neighbors and our, our, the students around us, co-workers, uh, to know that we love the Lord. Not, not that we just simply go to church. Not that we're attenders. I mean, no one uses that. I mean, but, but if you think about it, you know, that's not what we're looking for as attenders. We're looking for people to link arms with and do life together, pointing each other to Christ through the highs and the lows, to celebrate the highs, man, to enjoy life, to enjoy like really key moments together. 
but also to be a strength and a prayer and a shoulder and open arms during the difficult times. We are called to have grace for one another and, and to, to just proclaim grace to everyone around us because that is our Lord. For us to, to walk as his church, um, we have to know the Lord's way of doing things. And, and I say that because that's kind of a tricky statement um, because it's like, well, I believe the Lord, this is his way and this is his way and this is his way. So when in doubt, let's, let's look to scripture. When in doubt, let's let scripture do the heavy lifting. So um, if you want to turn your Bibles to Isaiah 55, we're going to spend a couple verses there. I'm going to read 8 and 9 and then I'm going to read uh, 10 and 11. So Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Friends, how often do we just settle ourselves and just find a a place of stillness and a place of peace and just ask the Lord, Lord, what are your thoughts? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? That shouldn't seem like a, uh, like a silly set of questions for us. Because God has very specific thoughts. He, when I'm beginning my preparation for, for the week and I kind of you know, hunker down and get ready, that's the first question I ask the Lord. Lord, what do you want to say to your people this week? What's on your heart? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? Lord, would you just give me a glimpse of what it is that you're up to? Because that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be about. At least once a week. It's good to to personalize this and say, "Um, Father, what are your thoughts toward me? What what are your thoughts toward me? What what are your thoughts um, regarding this difficulty I'm walking out? Lord, Lord, you know it. I'm always talking to you about it. This is the hard thing I'm walking out. What are your... What are your thoughts towards this right now? And then just sit quiet and just just listen. And and if if you're at this place and you're not you're not hearing anything from the Lord, He's not speaking anything to your heart. I promise you this: you can open His Word, and the Holy Spirit's going to make it come alive. You're going to be in His Word, and He's going to say, "Oh, you asked me that question. Hey, right here, highlight that. That's what I'm speaking to you today." Our God is a God who wants to interact uh, with his people. He's not done speaking. He doesn't give us the, the silent treatment. He doesn't punish us with the silent treatment. Our God is awesome. What are your thoughts? What are your ways? How should I handle this situation? Verse 10. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth uh, and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So I want to read that, that last bit again because it's huge. It's, it's bigger than just face value. 
you know, the message here, you know, of, of the Lord saying, my word will not return void. Okay, that's, that's something to grasp. And when we're talking about the context of, of hearing God's word, being in church, you know, uh, biblical church and, and scriptural preaching, that's important. My word will not return void. But check this out. Um, I'm reading verse 10 again. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, it's kind of an odd statement. Like, yeah, the, the rain's not going to return back to heaven. You know, that's interesting, Lord. Why is that there? Oh, I'm glad you asked. But they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So we're talking about growth and refreshing and strength and nourishment and, and health, right? So shall my word... Huh. I wonder what... My word, or I wonder who is my, I don't know. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, says the Lord, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In this prophetic word spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he's making declaration about the work of Jesus Christ and the Father saying, my work, my word that I speak forth and that I send out, it won't return to me void, but there's going to be purpose accomplished. God's will is going to be done. And don't you know, Jesus, when he was finished here on this work, on this earth in his work, and he said, it is finished, and he died, and he was buried, and he rose from the grave, and then he spent 40 days interacting with people and eating with people and being with people, and then what did he do? He returned. He returned to the Lord. Purpose accomplished. John 1, 14 and 17 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, came through Jesus Christ. You guys, when we're talking about biblical church and we're talking about the Lord, we're not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. We're not talking about a checklist. We're not talking about religious obligation. We're talking about grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ. Being a biblical church, it begins and it ends with Jesus. We rave about Jesus. And, and I've had to unpack this for people before. They're not, our God is not insecure. They're not jealous. As a matter of fact, we see all throughout Scripture, they share the glory. We see in the Bible that the Father gave Jesus the name above all names. When Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke and said, That's my Son! whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't done a single miracle. Jesus hadn't, let's just, uh, he hadn't done anything yet. So the father wasn't saying, this, in, this is my son who I love and him I'm well pleased based on works. Based on the fact that that's my son. I love him. Jesus raved about the Holy Spirit. Said it's better that I go away. If I don't, the father won't send the Holy Spirit. So we, we rave about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is so faithful to guide us into all truth, to remind us of everything that Jesus has said and done. 
But I'll tell you this right now. You can't honor the Father without honoring the Son, Jesus. You can't yield to the Holy Spirit without surrendering to Jesus. It begins and it ends with Jesus. And it starts with the gospel. And the gospel is simple. God created us to be with him and he removed all barriers that stood in the way between us and him. My favorite verse in the Bible is Romans 1.16. My favorite three back-to-back-to-back verses in the Bible are Romans 1.15-17. So we're going to read that. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Erie and Lafayette and Thornton and Longmont. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, offered first to the Jews and then to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, beginning and ending with faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I love that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Way back in the day, in the late 90s, in the early aughts. Is that a thing? Aughts? Like aught 5, aught 13? You know, I don't know. Sure, the O's. Um, Kara and I were youth pastors, um, and we learned a ministry tool from Dare to Share Ministries of how to remember and share um, the gospel. Cadence, I, I, need, I need your help today. Um, and I didn't prepare you for it. I apologize. Babe, would you grab me that colorful bag and would you come up here real quick? Thank you, thank you. Okay. So um, this ministry tool that they gave us, you know, I need you to hold that mic. (laughs) She's like, can I sit down? No, you can't sit down. Okay, hold on. A little up, a little down. Right here, that's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the ministry tool was about the gospel, and it was not an acronym, but a acrostic. Is that what G-O-S-P-E-L? Okay. Acrostic. Thank you. It's a acronostic. Okay. Um, and here's what it was. It was G. God created us to be with him. Okay. O. Our sins, and, and here's the thing, they asked for something that represented sin, like to put something, because the next point was our sin separated us from God. And so it, they asked us, just grab something, find something that represented sin. Don't grab your Bible because the Bible doesn't represent sin. So I grabbed something today. Um, it only represents sin. It's not sin. It only represents sin for this illustration. Okay, so... Our sin, our sin separated us from God. So we got God and we got us. So our sin separated us from God. And then we point to the sin and we say, sin cannot be removed by good deeds. So that's, that's the S. Then the P, um, paying the price for our sin. Actually, this is God. Paying the price for our sin Um, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in Christ alone shall be saved. And the L, uh, life eternal, means that we're with God forever, starting 
now. Thank you so much. You're such a wonderful mic stand, baby. I don't think you can put that on a resume, but I appreciate you. And the gospel. And they drove this home. This, whole, this entire Dare to Share conference was all about, honestly, making sure the kids, the teens, left there with that knowledge. Gee, God created us to be with him. Oh, our sins can... Our sins separated us from God's S. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. P, paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in Christ alone shall be saved. L, life eternal means that we'll be with him forever, and it starts now. We don't have to wait until we die for life eternal. We get to walk in life abundant right now. Understanding the gospel is vital. For it is the power of God for everyone who believes. And the gospel is the only way for a sinful people to be reconciled to God. There is no biblical church without the gospel. And we've got to be quick to share the gospel. We've got to be quick to share the good news. Like, I mean... And it can be done in so many ways. And the Holy Spirit will just open up ways for us to jump in. I mean, if someone's like, hey, I'm just trying. I'm working. I'm trying my best to be good. You know, I, I'm just, I'm, most of the time I'm doing pretty good at it. Okay, I, that reminds me of something. Well, hey, you know that, like, sins aren't removed by good, by being good, right? What? Well, sins aren't removed by good deeds. You know that, right? What do you mean? Well, then what removes them? Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone, and he actually already paid the price. All we've got to do is trust. You know, boom, there's always opportunity. So in being a biblical church, the gospel. There's six points that I'm hoping to get to today. We'll, we'll see how it goes. The gospel's number one. Number two, preaching. We can't be a biblical church without good scriptural preaching. Biblical preaching explains the meaning of scripture in its correct scriptural, historical, and grammatical context and takes the main point of a scripture and applies it to us today. See, it's not, it's not just a history book, although it is a history book, although there is history, there's church history there. It's not a history book because we are to grab a hold of these truths and apply it to our lives today. churches want to be filled with God's power, they must preach God's word. This is one of those moments you're like, well, yeah, no no kidding. Like, Mark, why are you belaboring this point? And there's all kinds of things preached at church. Not this church. We we contend for it. Andy and I, we we contend for this. We we fight for this. We don't preach politics here, and we don't preach um, social things here. We don't preach feel-good sermons. We don't preach Aesop's fables. We don't preach Vince Lombardi or Yoda or Ben Franklin or all the things that were like, oh, that's good, that's scripture, right? No, no, that's not scripture, that's Ben Franklin. That's Yoda. We preach the word. Why? Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, 
All scripture is breathed out by God and it's beneficial, it's profitable. Profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for rebuking, for correct, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, that the messenger of God, that you and I may be complete, equipped for every good work. A biblical church preaches God's word. Now, Impact Rock Church, we told you this a couple weeks ago, we used to meet on Saturday nights. Um, When we first planted, we met on Saturday nights. And so a lot of times on Sunday mornings, um, Karen and I and the kids or several of us who were going to church, we'd go to another church together um, and we'd encourage other churches together. And it it was a cool thing. And so we did that one time. Um, there was a, a new church plant, and so a handful of us were like, oh, let's just go be a blessing, and, and we brought our checkbook. We're like, let's plant a seed into this church, and let's just go. So we went to the church, and I kid you not, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you'll, I'm not going to say what church it is or anything. Actually, it's not even around anymore. Um, they went the entire message without a scripture, and I kept waiting for it. I'm like, okay, this is a long story. Okay, this is another long story. Okay, that's an interesting anecdote. And then there was an interesting story that I think their point that they were trying to make was, hey, you don't have to clean yourself up and you can come here a big old mess and and we're going to love you. But the story was, you know, one day I pooped my pants when I was in high school. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, I could have gone without knowing that. And, uh, And then he brought a scripture, used it out of context and closed in prayer. And uh, and uh, Andy was there. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what did you, what are you bringing home? What, what's your takeaway from this message? And he's like, I get to poop myself. That's, I'm like, that's what I'm taking away too. Is I can poop myself in this church, and I won't be judged. But let's be honest, if you poop yourself, you're getting judged. Okay, okay, I, that's that's a BS line. You're getting judged if you poop yourself in church. I'm I'm just kidding. I'm. I mean, I'm not kidding, but whatever. That's enough. <laughs> Preach the word. Number three, conversion. You guys, a spiritual transformation is supposed to take place when we're in this place. Now, now there, the conversion of salvation, man, that as we're hearing the word and, and it grabs a hold of our heart, the Holy Spirit just guides us to truth. And we have that conversion into salvation. Yeah, that's, that's a major, that's the major conversion. But there's also supposed to be conversions in our heart like all the time. Whether we grab a hold of truth and we are changed. We say this a lot and I love it. God doesn't make the bad person good. He makes the dead person live And as we hear the word of God, and as we experience his presence, it makes us come alive. Ephesians 2, 5 says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. As we walk by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, sanctification is is the scriptural word that we see 
you know, of walking out our salvation, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Daily, we are sanctified. Daily, we experience the Lord's power. That's supposed to happen constantly. We're supposed to grow. I, I said it last week. All are welcome here. You can come into this place exactly as you are, however messed up you think you are. You can come just as you are. But you can't stay that way. You can't stay that way. Because there's meant to be a yielding to the work of the Lord that that wants to bring healing and wants to bring freedom. And he wants to bring deliverance and he wants to change us. And that, that surrender, saying, Lord, do what you will. Here's my life, take it, do what you will. And meaning it and then letting him. So number three, conversion. Man, we're, the conversion. We want the conversion. We want people saved. We want, if you have friends that don't know Jesus, this is a place you can bring them to and they're going to hear Jesus preached in the hope that there's a conversion that, that the Holy Spirit brings life to them that day. Number four, evangelism. Do you guys know what evangelism is? It's talking to someone that might, know, not, that might not know Jesus and talking to them about how good he is. That's evangelism. There's not a soapbox required. There's not a megaphone required. You don't need a southern accent. All the things we think of when we think of evangelism, you don't need any of them. Just a heart that's willing to talk to someone that might not know Jesus to talk to them about just how good he is. You don't have to, did you know that you don't have to quote a single scripture when you're evangelizing? You just got to rave about Jesus. Someone's talking about God, someone's talking about the church, and they're talking bad about it. That's not an opportunity for us to get offended. That's an opportunity for us to look for a break in the action and to go, you know, that's not my experience. What? That's not my experience. My experience is much different than what you're talking about. My, much different. And then just wait, just wait. What do you mean? Opportunity. Well, I know who I was before. And honestly, I really don't even, I can touch on it. But let me tell you who I am now. Let me tell you what the Lord's done in my life now. That's our testimony. Sometimes we get our testimony confused. We think our testimony is, I was born in 1970, and then I had my first cigarette in 1973. And, and then I, you know, and then I, I dropped my first F-bomb that next day. And, then, and, and we think it's about re- recapping all of our sin. And talking about what a bum we were and what a dog we were. Man, skip all that. Skip all that. You can just paint it with a broad brush. I was a mess. I was angry. I was broken. Just paint it with a broad brush. I was angry and I was a mess and I was broken. And I'd kind of trusted my life in the Lord, but only kind of. Because I never really allowed my heart to be fully committed and I can remember the night, and boom. And then this night I said, Lord, I, I give you my all. And for me, here's what that meant. My mom, mom. And here's who I am now. And here's what Jesus has done. So, hey, that's my experience. Keep it short. They don't, keep it short. Don't kamikaze them with your 
30-minute testimony. Keep it short. I just know who I was, and I know who I am now, and, and I'd love to tell you more about it if you're interested. I'd love to tell you more about him. Does that make sense? Evangelism. Being a biblical church requires us to talk about Jesus. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you. Thank you, Drake. He's got given the big nod. Church partnership. Church partnership. Throughout Scripture, God distinguishes between his people, his church, his body, and those who haven't yet believed. I'm telling you this right now. The world needs to see that we can love one another. See, if we're going to talk about them joining our ranks, if you will, like, you know, being a part of this, they're going to come in and look and say, well, how do you treat one another? How do you work with one another? How do you better each other? Makes sense, right? Dozens of one another scriptures are just scattered throughout scripture. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. Strengthen one another. Encourage one another. One another. One another. We're the one another's. This isn't talking about those who don't know Jesus. We're the one another's. When you hear one another, he's talking about his body, his church. And we are to strengthen and encourage and uplift and love and have grace and patience for one another. The church displays God's glory. And in his church, non-Christians should see that God is holy and gracious and that the gospel is powerful for transforming lives. That was number five, church partnership. Number six, discipleship. If I simplified evangelism by just saying evangelism is talking to people who don't know Jesus, talking about Jesus, then let me simplify discipleship just as much. It's talking with people who do know Jesus about Jesus. Any of us can do discipleship. Here's the problem that I think the church in America runs into is we think only the pastoral team should be doing discipleship or we think only the leadership team should be doing discipleship and that's ridiculous. Discipleship takes place when two Jesus-loving people come together and start encouraging each other and pointing each other to Jesus. Peter urged his readers to grow in grace. Grow in grace. He said, grow in the knowledge of God. That's found in 2 Peter 3.18. Paul exhorted the people that were listening to him by speaking the truth in love. He told us, speak the truth in love. That's found in Ephesians 4.15. When we are together and, and we're just encouraging each other with the word of God, we're pointing things out in the word of God, we're excited about what the Lord's doing, we're quick to pray, we're quick to encourage, we're quick to chew on things, we're quick to go, huh, that's a fantastic question. I don't know, I'm going to have to dig into that. Let's dig into that next time we come together. Let's see what we find. All Christians should grow in Christ. 
And, and we're even told in Scripture to imitate other godly leaders. I know I do. When I walk into a room, this is the honest truth. And y'all, see, if you know me, you, you know how much I talk. I, I talk a lot. I like to talk. I'm pretty good at it. But if you don't know, well, if you don't know me, you probably have figured it out by now. But when I walk into a room full of, like, seasoned men of God, I promise you this. I don't speak unless I have to. I'm listening, man. I am listening. I am gleaning. I am, I am, I want to, I want to hear from other, you know, men of God and, and what the Lord is doing in their life. And I, I just want to just be a sponge in those settings. And then when the opportunity comes, I'm quick to speak if, if that presents itself. I mean, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And every one of us should be able to say that. Hey, follow me as I follow Christ. We shouldn't shy away from it. Oh, no, no, don't follow me. None of us, if we're following Christ, we should not shy away from that. We should say, oh, no, no, follow me because I'm following Christ. So you're going to get somewhere. Right? Right? It's my fault. See, when I say right, a lot of times that's a thought-provoking challenge to respond. Discipleship. A lot of discipleship takes place right here in this setting. It's great. But there really is power in one-on-one discipleship. And any of us can do it. But we most, a lot of times we shy away from it. I, I don't want to point anybody out in this, but I'm just saying there are some of you that are phenomenal at this. The one-on-one interaction. Okay, let's take discipleship out of the equation. The one-on-one interaction. You're incredible at it. If you will intentionally bring Jesus into the conversation and scripture, then it becomes discipleship, and you're going to be just as incredible at it. I think about J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, two literary studs, right? They got together to, to uh, drink scotch, smoke their pipes, smoke their cigars, and talk. And they talked about God, and they talked about world, and they talked about the politics and the economy, but the, the, the records that we get from those times together are most often the outcome of them just talking about the Lord. And it shows up in their writings. And it's incredible. And it's two men for years getting together to just talk and be together. You guys, there's power in that. And then the invitation of bringing the Lord into our conversation. I promise you this. For us to be a biblical church, we are a stronger, better biblical church if we will not treat discipleship as the responsibility of just a select few, but say, Lord, how can I disciple a brother? Lord, how can I disciple a sister? A friend? Someone new in the faith? Or Lord, is there someone here who's just strong in the faith that can disciple me? Next week will be week four. It'll be the final week of this series, and we're going to talk about commitment. What that looks like to be a committed, partnering member of this church. And there's four areas of commitment that we're going to talk about. 
And it's going to be challenging. And I like that. I, I, I like, I'm a challenger. You know, one time I had a pastor tell me, Mark, can you just like change your words and say, you know, I, I encourage you. And I'm like, I can, I can use that every now and then. But I love challenging. I, I like you. I'm going to challenge you for something. So I challenge you right now. Um, come back next week as we bring this thing to a close. If we have that graphic with the QR code, can we put that up there? Um, we have a document that we put on our website. It's called Coming to Community, and it outlines everything from values to visions to statements of faith to biblical church to leadership, and then it ends with commitment. And then there's six pages of scripture where that every link, when you see an underlying scripture, you click it, and it links to the scriptural references page so you can see what the scripture says. It's all based in the word of God. I encourage you guys, take out your phones if you want, scan the QR code, or you just go to our website. Um, and in the about section, it's right there. There's a graphic right on top. This is vital in us moving forward together because God wants to use us, not, not just to use us as a bunch of individuals, right? But to use us as a unified, cohesive loving, mighty tool of the Lord to reach people with his love. Let's pray. Jesus, be glorified. Jesus, be glorified. Even in the midst of us talking quite a bit about this local church, Jesus, be glorified. When we're talking about evangelism, be glorified. Or discipleship, be glorified. In all things, we want you to be exalted and lifted high, Lord, because you are the only one who saves Jesus. You're the only one who reconciles sinful men and women to a loving, awesome God. Even now, Holy Spirit, even before we, we close out, if there's any anything else that you just want to bring revelation and highlight in our life. We, we haven't stopped yielding to you. We walked in, yielded, and we're still yielded. So we say, speak, and we will listen, lead, and we will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I love y'all. Um, our God is good. Take time. Take, take a couple moments this week and just, just tuck away. I actually, Sarah, Sarah Herman, her and her husband Chris used to be on this pastoral team. She used to literally go in the closet because it was the only place she could get away from her kids and her dogs and her husband. So, so she'd go in her closet to be still before the Lord. So wherever we have to be still before the Lord, let's be still and tuck away and say, Lord, what are your thoughts towards me? Lord, what are your thoughts through this difficulty I'm walking out? And then just be still and listen. Have a, have a Bible on hand. Maybe you'll get to open it up or maybe he just wants to speak something directly. But you'll be glad you did. Uh, I'll leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. 
and give you peace. Have an awesome day. Come back next week. Two weeks from now, we won't have church. It'll be Sabbath Sunday. So let's all be here next week. Love you all. Have a great day.